Hello, everybody. We're so glad that you're here with us, uh, spending this Good Friday with us here at River Glen. My name is Isaac Morris, and I'm the middle school pastor here. Um, and I don't know whether or not to view it as a good sign that my first time uh, speaking, no one showed up in person. But hey, I'm glad you're on, online with us, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about Good Friday and really dissect what this Friday, what this Friday means for us and also what it meant for the disciples and the Christ followers uh, of that time. Um, before we jump in, I'm just going to pray for us real quick. Dearly Father, I thank you for today and I thank you for, for a time that we can just come and, and worship you and be in community, God. Um, I thank you for, for what this Easter season represents. I thank you that we're able to celebrate um, new life because of you sending your son on the cross to die for our sins. God, I thank you for that sacrifice. And, and I just thank you for being, uh, being there for us and, and supporting us as we go through life. Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, I just want to start out by saying that I love Easter. Easter is one of my favorite holidays. Obviously, it's not better than Christmas, but I really do like Easter. It's one of my favorites. And, 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 and I just love the memories that I have of Easter. I remember waking up early on Sunday mornings as a, as a kid on Easter Sundays and, and going to the sunrise services at like 4.30 in the morning in our PJs. We'd go and we'd worship together and we'd watch the skits. And, and then like any good Southern church in Tennessee does, we have a big potluck breakfast and Granny Cross would make her homemade donuts and, and we'd have chocolate gravy and biscuits. And, and there's just so many good memories tied around Easter, getting the Easter baskets and the candies and the Easter egg hunts. I really do love this season and I love what it represents. Uh, but Friday, Good Friday was always something that confused me a little bit. I was always just confused why Good Friday was so good. It's the day that Jesus died. Why would we celebrate so much? It's the day that Jesus endured one of the most painful and, and, and cruel deaths ever. He was beaten and, and then he was hung on a cross. Why is that such a good day? Why would we celebrate that so much? And I'm actually going to say something a little unconventional or a little different than what other Good Friday messages would possibly say. But I actually think that this Friday is actually bad. I actually think that it truly is bad for the followers of Jesus at this time. It is not a good day. They're terrified. They're panicked. They're stepping into a world without Jesus and they, they've given up their whole lives to follow after this guy. And now he's gone. They're, they're terrified and they are scared. And if, you're, and if we're looking at Friday, we might as well lump Saturday in there as bad too. A lot of people call it Silent Saturday because the disciples were still so scared on Saturday that they were hiding in their homes. They were so, they were so afraid. They were hiding in their closets because they, they didn't want anybody to find them. They didn't want anybody to know where they were. They didn't want anybody to know that they were Jesus' followers. They were scared. I mean, a few examples you can see of these guys. You can look at Peter. Peter was one of Jesus's closest disciples. And the night before all of this happened, the night before the crucifixion, Jesus even warned Peter saying that something was going to happen. But Peter denied Jesus three times during his crucifixion. He denied him and Jesus had even warned him in Luke 22, 34. He said this, Peter, let me tell you something before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Peter had a warning. So think about the fear that he had to have felt on Friday that made him actually deny Jesus, even with a warning. Jesus told him he would do it. And Peter was like, no, I won't. There's no way. But he still did it. Imagine how afraid he was. 
Imagine the guilt he felt on Saturday when he thought that the last thing he did when Jesus was alive was to deny him. He was so terrified. And then look at, at James, not the, not the disciple, but James, Jesus' brother. James didn't believe in Jesus before the crucifixion. And it says in, uh, in John 7, 3 through 5, it says, Leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. James is scoffing Jesus. He's making fun of him. And so imagine how he now feels uh, on Friday and Saturday when he's confused that this brother of his has given up his whole life to, to go spread this word and, and now he's gone. Imagine how confused James feels during this time. Imagine the fear and maybe the, the, the guilt that he feels. And then look at Thomas. Thomas got unlucky. He has a pretty bad nickname if you've ever, ever heard of Thomas. They call him Doubting Thomas because of the doubt that he had during this time. And there's some other good nicknames in there in the, in the scripture. So don't think that they're all bad. I mean, you can look at James and John, the brothers. They were called the Sons of Thunder. So that's a pretty good nickname. But Thomas got stuck with Doubting Thomas because of how much doubt he had that Jesus was truly alive. He was so confused. He, he did not believe that Jesus was still there. In John 20, 24 and 25, after some of the other disciples saw Jesus, they come back to Thomas and they tell him this. They say, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. He doesn't believe that Jesus can be alive. He doubts it. He's so confused and he's so afraid. He, he doesn't know what's happening in the world right now. And he just doubts that there's any way that Jesus could be alive. The future that they had in their minds had all of a sudden been drastically taken away from them. All they heard was silence. They didn't understand what was going on. And these were the guys that were familiar with Jesus. These were the guys that were close to him and personal friends of his. And so real quick, I want to remind you that even if you think that you have a great relationship with Jesus, and even if you're always at church and always serving, don't think that you're immune to, to fear. Don't think you're immune to doubts. Don't think you're immune to guilt. We're still going to face trials. We're still going to have hardships, even if we're close to Jesus. And we're promised that we're still going to have things in life that aren't easy because we're here on earth. It's not easy. And I think that these two days, this frightening Friday and this silent Saturday, they may hit pretty close to home for a lot of us right now. They may hit close to us because we may be in a time of fear. We may be in a time where we really don't understand what's going on. We may be facing some anxiety. Maybe we're in this void, this gap that is Saturday, just like the disciples. I mean, look at what's going on in our world right now. I would say that you could easily define us as confused, possibly terrified, frustrated. Everything's going on around us and we may be listening to God and we may not be hearing anything. We may be mad. We may be seeing all this sickness. We may be seeing all this brokenness and all these people that we're losing. We may be seeing uh, that, that we can't be with our community. We may be seeing a lack of, of God's presence in our lives and, and we may be facing depression or anxiety because of the unknown. It's not easy. I know for me right now, uh, in this time, I'm tempted to almost just curl into a ball and, and, and slack in my devotion to God and slack in my devotion to my wife, slack in my devotion to my health. 
It's not easy right now. We're facing a lot of unknowns and it's almost just, it's tempting to almost just fall apart because we feel like everything around us is falling apart. I know I'm scared. I'm scared for my family. I'm scared every time my wife goes into work. I'm scared every time my family is on the phone. I'm scared that they're going to call and say that they're sick. I'm, I'm, I worry. I'm afraid. But I believe that, that I, had, I had fears and I had anxiety and I had worry even before this virus. And I guarantee I'll have it after. I guarantee you will too. We're here on earth and that means that we're going to face trials. John 16, says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. He lays it out for us. We're gonna face things in life that are hard. We're gonna face sadness. We're gonna have confusion, fear, silence. It's gonna be hard. It's not always gonna be easy. We're gonna feel like God is distant sometimes. Uh, between my, my freshman and sophomore year of college, I was working out in Colorado and one night after my shift, I get a call from my youth pastor from home, Josh, and he calls me and he tells me that my dad had just passed away from a heart attack. And my dad was my best friend. I miss my dad dearly. And that was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to endure in my life. I felt alone. I felt terrified. I felt confused. I was frustrated with God and I didn't understand what was going on. It wasn't easy. I didn't feel like the presence of God was with me. And I got home the next day and I felt like I had to be strong for my sister. I felt like I had to be strong for my mom. I felt like I had to be the man of the household now. And it wasn't easy. I felt alone. However, now that I can look back at that, I can see that God was with me each step of the way. And that doesn't mean it's still not hard. That doesn't mean that I'm over it. That doesn't mean that I don't miss my dad anymore because I truly do but I can see that God gave me people in my life to support me. I can see that he himself was there with me the whole time supporting me. If you look at the, uh, the second part of that verse I just read, where it says you have many trials and sorrows, the second part of John 16, it actually says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We get to take heart during our trials. We get to take heart during our sorrows because Jesus has overcome the world. We get to lean into his spirit, lean into the truth of who he is. When we look at Friday and Saturday, we surely see something that's terrible. We see something that's frightening. We see silence. We're afraid. However, we must endure because we already know what happens on Sunday. Because of that second part of John 16, where it says, I've overcome the world. We already know what happens on Sunday. Jesus has overcome the world. He has conquered death. Therefore, we don't have to live with the fear that happened, with the fear that comes from Friday and Saturday. We don't have to live with the confusion that's there. And that's what makes Friday good. That's what makes Saturday okay. That's what makes these times and the trials in our life okay. But what we must realize through this, and this is extremely key, so listen closely. What we, what we must realize is that to have Sunday, to have the overcoming of the world, to have Jesus conquer death, we had to have Friday. Friday and Saturday weren't easy. We saw things we didn't want to see and it wasn't always fun, but it was worth it because with the final destination, we can see that Jesus has overcome the world. You have to have Friday to get Sunday. And I don't want to ruin Sunday for you, but I invite you to join us on Sunday because on Sunday, we won't be thinking about Friday and Saturday. On Sunday, we will only be living in the celebration of what Sunday is. On Sunday, we will only be celebrating that Jesus is here, that he is alive, that he never left our sides, that he was with us the whole time. 
He was out there fighting battles for us. He was with us the whole time. Jesus is alive and he wants to go through the hard times with you. And so as we go through Frightening Fridays, as we go through Silent Saturdays, I invite you to lean into that truth. I invite you to not just look to the cross, to the fear that it brought, to the death of Jesus. I invite you to look past it and through the cross to Jesus's resurrection on Sunday. Don't just look to the cross to, to what that brings us because that can bring a lot of confusion and fear. Don't just look to the trials and the sorrows in life because that can bring a lot of confusion and fear. Look through them, look through the cross and see that Jesus is strong enough, that Jesus is here, that Jesus is already won. The end is already written. Jesus has the victory. Look to those things. We're, we're gonna have to decide, are we gonna live in doubt? Are we gonna live in fear? Are we gonna live just looking to Friday and Saturday? Are we gonna move to hope? Are we gonna move to hope in Jesus? That's the choice we're, we're, we have to make. There's a great quote, I wanna read it to you. It says, the person who loses the vision of hope in the future always returns to the past. I'm gonna read that one more time. It says, the person who loses the vision of the hope in the future always returns to the past. We can't allow ourselves to forget that Jesus has already won. We can't allow ourselves to forget that in the future, Jesus is victorious. The end is already written. If we allow ourselves to accept what Jesus offers, which is eternal life, we will only end up with him. And we need nothing else but that. But we have the choice. We can look to the cross or we can look through it. And I believe that if we look to it, we'll, we'll only end in anger. We'll only end in confusion. We'll only end in fear. And we'll look to other things. We'll try to find satisfaction in the earth and nothing will be good enough. Nothing but Jesus is good enough. So we must look through the cross. We must look to the things of heaven. Colossians 3, 2 says, think of the things of heaven, not of earth. If we turn to the earth, if we turn to the things of the world, we will only fall short. We will only find things that are, are unsatisfying. Jesus is enough to give us hope through the hard times. He's enough to give us clarity in the times of confusion. He's enough to give us peace. Even when all we see in front of us is unknown, Jesus is enough and we need nothing else but him. John 14, 6 says that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one gets to the Father except through him. We need nothing else. And so as we go through Frightening Fridays, as we go through Silent Saturdays, maybe you're in one right now, as we go through trials in life, I invite you and I challenge you to step into a deeper relationship with Jesus where we lean on him, and where we don't forget what happens on Sunday, it's enough to cover all of our shortcomings. It's enough to cover all of our fear, all of our confusion. His resurrection, the celebration of Sunday is enough for us to get through the hard times. But we have to lean on him and we have to trust him each step of the way. Jesus is enough and we need nothing else but him.